to Totalus Rankium. This week, Aurelian. And welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. This is episode 43, and we're doing Aurelian. Aurelian. Or Aurelian. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going for Aurelian. I think that's what I say in my That's head. what you kept saying, so that's what I'm going to say. Fair enough. Aurelian. But yeah. before we start, yes. good news for um, Theodosius. Oh, it's yeah. his birthday today. Oh, well, happy, happy, well, yeah. 11th of January when we're recording. Yes, not when you're listening. Unless you're listening right now. That's just freaking... In a year, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just thinking someone's listening in. Yeah. yeah. And we're looking forward to next week, Gordian, Gordian 3's birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, next week. So right. that's, that's I, I'm, I'm pleased you've made that little diary. It's good. Yeah. It is. So if you want, you know, send him a card. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's going to be a bit longer yes, than it has been recently. Me. How it's... many words are we up to in your notes? Uh, my notes... I've written 5,000 words on him. Wow. The highest I've ever done before was Nero, <laughs> and he had 3,500. Okay. But we'll see. We'll <clears throat> see how it goes. I'm expecting him to be amazing, by the way. Oh, wow. Why do you say that? Because everyone hypes him up. Yeah. He's Mike Dun- one, of, one of Mike Duncan's favourites. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting big things. I'm expecting, you know, massive battles, lots of winning. Yeah. The Empire's going to start looking good again. I'm expecting dragons from the north. Yeah. I'm expecting death. A little bit crazy, maybe. Yeah. Maybe some persecution. Quite oh, fun. we'll, we'll find out. that in a while. So Mike Duncan did tweet us right near the start of when we were... Mm. I say tweet us. He responded, responded. to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, saying that he'd block us if we don't score him highly. But if we do score him highly, it's not because of that. No, definitely yeah. not. Don't. <laughs> Love you, Mike. <laughs> Um, right, but before we start yet again, we have an apology and a correction to make. Cue the sad music. Because we do try and get our facts right. I know sometimes we bend the truth and we're a bit silly. Yes. Um, but we do try and get the facts correct. And last week again, we failed you. We did, and we we're sorry. We're so sorry. This occurred during the After Dark review of the BBC documentary. Yes. And um, I insinuated, I implied, mm. that the song Sitting on the Dock of the Bay yeah. was sang by Marvin Gaye. Mm. And of course it is Otis Redding. It is Otis Redding, yeah. Yes. So to all the listeners that we let down, we, we apologise and we hope that you can forgive us. Yes. So thank you to Matthew Constable for uh, bringing that to our attention. Yeah. Um, Although, in my defence, as I did point out this, this to him, I did say it wasn't what Marvin Gaye was singing about, being on the dock of the bay. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's the only, it's the only times you can use that argument, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. And the last thing before we start. Okay. Yeah. Another, yet another warning on chronology, because... Um, Aurelian's role, more than any others, is very mixed up. Okay. So again, I've, I've decided to go a certain way. Okay. Yeah. Now, interestingly, what I sometimes do when I've done some research, once I've finished all my research and I'm driving to work, I put on the history of Rome. Yeah. And I just see what Mike Duncan had to say about the time period. Yeah. And sometimes he comes up with something that I miss and I go, oh, that's interesting. Sometimes 
I've got something in my notes that he decided not to talk about. Mm. But broadly, it's all the same. Okay. This time, when I listened to his yeah. episodes on Aurelian, yeah. especially the earlier part of his career, ooh, we, we diverge quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, especially in the order that things happen. So if you're listening to this, listen to the history of Rome afterwards and you'll get a different opinion. That's good. Yeah. Right, so this could have happened differently. Okay. So let's go for this. Right. He was born on the 9th of September in 214 <laughs> in the Danube region. His family were probably farmers who took their name from their landlord, the senatorial Aurelii family. Oh, yeah, okay. so it's Aurelian from the fact they've just taken it from their landlord. Fair enough. Yeah. His father was a farmer, and his mother was a priestess to a sun god in the local village. Oh, like Alec Ballas. Yeah, there are links. This is according to the Historia Augusta. Okay, so before we continue, it's omen time. Yay! Yes. Omen Omens, time. Omen time. One day, when the mother was berating the father, right. she shouted out, Behold the father of an emperor! Kind of sarcastic, you're rubbish. Let's pretend you're okay. the father of an emperor. I'm not entirely sure the context, but apparently she once called him the father of the emperor. Maybe he's acting a bit of Buddhist station. Yeah, maybe. It's not a great omen, is it? It's not even an omen. It's not <laughs> It's rubbish. When Aurelian was a baby, a serpent wound its way around the wash basin, and no one was able to kill it. Eventually, it just became part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't get it. Keep hitting it with the shovel. It's not dying. <sighs> Ever wanted a pet snake? <laughs> no, it's still around the wash basket. No one's going to go near the wash basket. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So they had a pet snake, which is nice. What do they call it? Don't know. Severus. I like that. After the emperor. Who would have been the emperor at the time? <laughs> What's a snake? Yeah, <laughs> and it just it works well, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah, they had a pet sna snake. Severus snake. Severus snake. <laughs> That's what we got a new character for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, another one. Some purple cloth had been dedicated to the region by Severus, not the snake, the emperor. This is going to get everything now. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> So, um, I, I say donated by the Emperor, it's probably an underling of the yeah. Emperor whose job title was Cloth Giver Outer. Okay. Yeah. So, they had a bit of purple cloth. The mother of Aurelian swaddled him in the cloth one day, and then an eagle swooped down and took Aurelian. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he baby. was never seen again. No, yeah. he was seen. Fortunately, it rested the boy on a nearby shrine, which, and I quote the Historia Augusta, happened to have no fire upon it, which is nice. Helpful. <laughs> it is. Otherwise, that would have been a very grisly end to Aurelian's life. Well, it'd be grisly already. He's got massive like, talon claws <laughs> yeah. embedded in his belly or head or something. Yeah. Here's another one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Three. Wow. Doing a well. cow was born. Wow. With... Wait, wait, wait. Oh. With purple spots. God. It's the students again. It's the students. <laughs> Because it gets better. On one side of the cow, <laughs> the spots spout out hail. And on the other side, the spots were arranged in the form of a crown. <laughs> so they're now graffiti and cows. Yes. These damn students. <laughs> These omens come thick and fast. There's quite a few more in the Historia Augusta. Yeah. So much so that the Historia Augusta itself starts to disbelieve them. Because <laughs> yes. before... 
Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I'll quote here. I remember also reading in this same author much that has no importance. So it just <laughs> gives up listing all the omens. Was it that but other author from that other book? I thought it might have been Cordus, and I actually went to check, and no, it wasn't <laughs> Cordus, which is a shame. Because <laughs> I would. we've not had a Cordus dig no. for a while. Okay, let's let's go back to actual history. In uh, 235, this is roughly when Thrax took over, Aurelian joined the army, and he seemed to do quite well. Good. That bodes well. It does bode well. Apparently he killed 48 barbarians in one day. That's impressive. So that's that's two per hour. That's quite good. Yeah, it says, uh, during a skirmish in Illyricum, he then went to kill <laughs> over 950 more within a week. Right, so listeners, you have to work out the kill ratio here. <laughs> yeah. The kills per hour. Again, even the Historia Augusta doubts this, because that's a thousand people personally killed in a week. Right, hang on, where's my... Oh, are you doing it? Can I'm going to work this out. Okay. <laughs> he... <laughs> so, he killed six barbarians per hour for a week, roughly. So that's per one hour. every ten minutes. It's one every ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's quite impressive. That, that is. That's, that's a good slaughter rate, yeah. Yeah, well done, Aurelian. <laughs> okay, so he did that when he joined the army. Yeah, as I said, even the Historia Augusta doubts this. <laughs> but there was a song, apparently, around the time that went, Thousand, thousand, thousand we've beheaded now. One alone, a thousand we've beheaded now. He shall drink a thousand who a thousand slew. So much wine is owned by no one as the blood which he has shed. And then... Later on in his career, when he was doing well, another line was added, Franks some Martians by the thousand. Once and once again we've slain, now we seek a thousand Persians. Not very catchy, is it? It's not the most catchy tune. Can't really sing it along in a crowd, I guess. No, but I mean, poetry, Latin poetry, didn't rhyme for a start. So. Yeah, so I don't know how they managed to turn that into a song. Um, yeah. But they obviously did it. So right. you know the fact he was a soldier and he, probably a general or something. Does he still count as a mass murderer? Uh, a serial killer? Because <laughs> Well, no, he's being paid by the state, so that's fine, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Just, just a fairly typical soldier at this point, apparently. Yeah. We're not in general territory here. No. He signed up as a normal soldier when he signed okay. up. Probably. There was some debate on that. Yeah. Right. Despite the obvious fiction in all this, <laughs> one every ten minutes, he was clearly well-respected, and he was promoted quite quickly to Centurion. Ooh. And then to Tribune. Junior Tribune. Traditionally, this would have been the height of his career, because yeah. he was not senatorial class. He would have found it hard to get much higher. He can't be emperor, either. Well, no. Traditionally. Uh, it was around this time, however, that Gallienus banned the Senate from taking the high posts. Yes. Yeah. So suddenly that glass ceiling that was there mm. was broken and they could get <laughs> through. The path was open for him to become Tribune and then Commander of a Legion and then Dux. 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 Who was essentially the general, commanded all the yeah. legions in an area and all the auxiliary troops. Just listing it like that sounds fairly easy. You just work your way up the ladder. However, although technically anyone could do that, yeah, it's a bit like in this country and in America. Well, in theory, anyone can be prime minister or president. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a few. Get However, in, unless you are rich and went to Eton or Oxford or yeah. Harvard. Brown. Yeah. You're... Yeah. Unless you've done that and you've got lots of connections and money, you're not actually going to get to be prime minister or president. No. Because it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that Aurelian did seem to do this is remarkable. He started 
pushing his way through those ranks. Good. Despite everything that would have been holding him back. Mm. Perhaps at this point he started specialising in the cavalry, which might have given him a slightly different different route up the chain that might have been a bit easier. Yeah, a horsey route. He became Tribune, and when he became Tribune, so did Aurelian, which was a bit confusing. What? <laughs> because Aurelian became Tribune, and so did Aurelian. There were two. No! Which, I imagine this happened all the time in Rome, because there's only about four names. <laughs> <laughs> so, you had two Aurelians as Tribune in a legion. Oh, that's so confusing. So, to, to distinguish between the two, our Aurelian was given a nickname. Mm. Manu ad ferum. Manu ad verum. Which is probably hideously butchering the pronunciation but it means hand to sword or sword in hand and I'll quote here so that if anyone chanced to ask which Aurelian had done anything or performed any exploit the reply would be made Aurelian sword in hand (laughs) this was a compliment but also a sign of fear he was he was quick to go to his sword and he was not afraid to use it well, I think that's evidenced by the thousands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did come up with um, a better nickname at the time, though, in one of the books I was looking at, and it did remind me of Saga Thing, a great podcast about the uh, Vikings. the Viking sagas. One of their rounds is best nicknames. Oh. Yeah. Good. And this is the first time I've come across a nickname, so I'm going to throw it in here. Cedo Altaram, which is Give Me Another. <laughs> to kill. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's a good nickname, that. Anyway, right. We are now in the late 250s under Valerian. He was in the Germanic region at this point, fighting the Franks, and he was credited for some victories in the area. He was doing quite well. Towards the end of the 250s, he had been promoted to General of Docks. Yeah, so he's risen right to the top now. Got his ceremonial mallard to take with him. Yes, which they were all given. <laughs> so he's now in charge of one or more legions in an entire area, plus auxiliary okay. troops. He's... He's doing all right for himself. He was given an extra job, though. The role of envoy to the Persians. Also used to go there and talk to them and probably scare the living hell out of them. Bearing in mind this is during Valerian's reign. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Things were a bit tense. Yeah. Yeah. However, Shapur was not a horrible man. And he, well, <laughs> he, he still respected the traditions of, of diplomacy. He so he said, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but he did send Aurelian a gift. Oh, because you do that with the envoys. Shapur sent the new envoy an elephant. Oh, <laughs> she's got a snake and an elephant now. Yeah, now, it's actually illegal to own an elephant in Rome. Illegal? Yeah. Why? No, no one's ever owned an elephant before. They've Can't all been part elephant. of the military or for the games. Is it like the swan thing in the UK? Possibly. <laughs> the Queen technically owns all the swans. Yes, and you're might not be allowed to own them. But... Yeah, that's a good point. I've always heard that there's two things. They can mm. break your arm by looking <laughs> at you, and they are owned by the Queen, so you're not allowed to eat them. Yeah. I know the first one's not true. I don't know about the second one. I bet it's slightly mythical. Yeah. Not quite true. We'll have to write in, if you know, yeah. who owns the swans. Send a postcard. Yeah. But you um, you couldn't own an elephant, apparently. Oh. So Aurelian had to give up his elephant. No. And he gave it to Valerian. So that's just hypocritical, though. So I'll have an elephant, but no, no, you can't. You can't. I'm the emperor. Look at my badge. It says emperor. I'd like to think this was the moment that Aurelian decided he was going to be emperor one day. <laughs> yeah, it's my elephant. <laughs> I'm going to take my elephant back. 
And then for a long time, so by the time he comes, Humphrey, he might get his elephant back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ever, ever since Severus Snake died. Oh, yeah. He was how did he re- die? He was really lonely. He got in with the Persians, and he was a double agent snake for ages. Oh, I like it. Yeah, and eventually, Shahpur killed him. Yeah. Yeah. And But it turned out he was a good guy all along, and Aurelian named his sons after him on a train station. Oh, I like that. Yeah. We should write a story about that. Yeah, quite good. <laughs> if you've not read Harry Potter, you will now be very confused. <laughs> right. Uh... I thought he can be killed. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe he's alive. Maybe he's just lost. <laughs> yeah, where'd I go to? Elephants, yeah. He got a new job role as well at this point. Apparently being the envoy of the Persians wasn't enough. He then became the inspector of the camps. So he, he was now essentially Ofsted. Or Ofqual, oh or any of those government inspector units oh. that go around various forms of jobs. Bloody with, clipboard. With a clipboard judging. I bet he has a tie pin as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Also in the Historia Augusta, he started working under the commander of the Danube region. Okay. So here's our first case of things being a little bit mixed up, because apparently he was already general and now he's working under a general. It's unlikely he got demoted, so it's hard to really tell what's going on here. Um, we only know about Ulpius from the Historia Augusta, so maybe yeah. it's just made up. Okay. Yeah. I However, write it down. well, if it is true, it's quite interesting, no. because Ulpius fell ill, and Valerian asked Aurelian to stand in and become the general for the Danube region. Okay. Now, that's, that's the biggest generalship. Yeah. The Danube region, obviously, is the biggest region to be the general in. Yeah. Especially since the Roman Empire at the moment consists of the Danube region. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Italy and a bit of Africa. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know all the empires. <laughs> According to the Historia Augusta, Valerian said this to Aurelian, I, for my part, expect as much from you, if the gods but grant their favour, as the Commonwealth could expect from Trajan, if he were still alive. That's nice. A glowing report. Orpheus recovered, and was so impressed with Aurelian, see, I'm I'm saying it both ways, aren't I, Um, (laughs) that he adopted him into his family. A family that had roots back to Trajan. So now Aurelian Ooh. could claim that he uh, goes back to Trajan. Because the Romans, although did consider bloodlines, mm. adoption was as good as bloodlines. Fair enough. Yeah, so, yeah. Around this time, Valerian was captured, as we covered a few episodes <laughs> yeah, ago. We don't have many details on what Aurelian did during Gallienus's reign, for some reason. It just kind of cuts off. The Historia Augusta mm. goes quiet, and we don't really have anything else. However, it is... It is reasonable to assume, I'd say, that he just carried on with his career and impressed. Probably a lot of fighting, I think, since Gallienus was... Yes, he probably was running around with Gallienus, mm. or more to point, Aurealus. If you remember, Gallienus's most trusted general was Aurealus. Oh, yes. mm. We think that Aurelian might have been working for Aurealus as his second-in-command okay. at this point. Although it's hard to say. Yeah. So... It's likely that he went east and fought Macrianus and the two sons that were declared emperor under Gallienus's reign, mm-hmm. if you remember that. Um, however, towards the end of Gallienus's reign, we know that Aurelian was with Gallienus. Okay. Because when Aurelius revolts yeah. in Milan, Aurelian is with Gallienus. Gallienus heads back to Milan, and Aurelian's not in the city with Aureolus. He's yeah. in the camp with Gallienus. Probably inspecting it. Probably inspecting it. And also, if you remember, this is when Gallienus dies. Yes. 
Yes, so was Aurelian involved? Don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, no one knows. <laughs> no one has a clue if he was involved. Um, but he's high up and he comes out quite well. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes, because he gets on with Claudius too quite well. Okay. Yeah, so we in this podcast are going to say he was involved in the plot. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't, right. didn't start it maybe, but so no. with one of the top four or five. Yeah. Claudius too then becomes the emperor. Yep. Because Aurelian supported Claudius's rise, Claudius trusted Aurelian. Mm. When the Alamanni came pouring over the Alps, and then went, oh dear, they're all here, Aurelian was instrumental in defeating them. So if you remember Claudius's victory, Aurelian was yes. very much there in charge of the troops. Come with me, lads. Yeah. When Claudius heard that the Goths were back raiding, he sent Aurelian ahead of him with the crack cavalry force that Aurelian now commanded. So he's now got Aureolus's old job. Okay. Yeah. The region of the Danube was also under his command, so he was now general of the Danube. This essentially, like I said, due to the size of the empire, means he is now in charge of the army. <laughs> so he's, he's pretty much second in command under Claudius. Nice. Yeah, he's doing all right. Claudius caught up with, with Aurelian in the Danube, and they spent a happy year slaughtering Goths. Yay! Yeah. Trying to beat his record from years before. Yes. Ah, oh, just done. I'll never beat it. It'll yeah. never be as good. Now, if you remember, this is when Egypt was lost. Yes. By Zenobia. And then the Vandals and the Jathungi were invading. So Claudius sets off to face the barbarians, leaves Aurelian in charge, and then dies of plague. Aww. Quintilus, if you remember him. No. He was that that little episode we did last. Mm, really no. I'll, I'll remind you, he was announced as emperor and then he died. No, it still doesn't really no. Oh, well, point. don't worry about him, then. Mm. Right. Aurelian, sitting in his tent, heard of Quintilus's death and obviously thought that this was his chance. Yeah. The Danube regions, and therefore most of the army, declared for Aurelian. And he didn't even have to fight for it. Quintilus killed himself. Aurelian is now the emperor, aged 56. Yeah. So as you can see, there's a lot more there before he even becomes emperor than we've had for quite a lot of them when they were emperor. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If we were to judge him now, he'd already be doing quite well, wouldn't he? Fighty, yeah. Yeah, definitely in the fighty. So let's see what he was like as the emperor. Time to take stock, he thought. Good. He gathered up his advisers in his tent. Okay. Zenobia was gaining power in the east. Egypt had been taken. Yeah. Technically, the two empires were not at war, and shipments were actually still coming to Rome from Egypt. Okay. But it was a kind of cold-slash-warm war situation. <laughs> Lukewarm war. Yeah. Those, those shipments, it was only a matter of time before Zenobia pulled them, but she didn't want to full-on declare war, so she didn't stop them Fair enough. yet. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a matter of time. I guess she still wants to establish herself. And... Yes. Zenobia has approximately 12 legions. Then, Victorinus was in charge of the Gallic Empire. The Gallic Empire was weaker than it had been due to the internal struggles and Claudius's efforts, but it was still a force to be reckoned with, and they have around seven legions. Aurelian himself has approximately 15 legions, okay. but hordes of barbarians are still swarming across the Danube. Yeah. The Vandals and Jathungi are still coming. Remember, Claudius didn't get a chance to sort them out, because yeah. he died of plague, along with lots of their troops. And that's another thing. When I say they had 15 legions, these are plague-ridden legions. 
so <laughs> <laughs> it's just mostly zombies by this point it's rubbish it's terrible <laughs> the army of the undead <laughs> yeah. yeah also there was an uprising in Rome Ooh. oh that's not good no starting in the mints it would appear that the men making the money did not want Aurelian in charge because Aurelian said things like we should stop having people making all the money that are then stealing all the money perhaps we should put some non-corrupt people in the mints yeah it's crazy ideas. crazy ideas so all this is going on yeah it's night time it's mm. dark they're Ooh. in their tent okay Aurelian's just staring down at the map all the advisors looking really nervous and one advisor quaking with trepidation says emperor what are you going to do what what are you going to fix and then the camera cuts right into Aurelian's face yeah he slowly looks up directly at the camera and then with a voice full of anger and gravel replies everything oh. and then the credits cut oh. and it's a cliffhanger till the next season oh brilliant yeah but we're just going to jump onto our hands. okay yeah good so what would you do first i would go for the gallic empire first even though the Jathungai and the Vandals... I'd go for the Barbarians first. <laughs> yeah. Get the small ones out of the way. Stop them nitpicking at the That's carcass. what he goes for, yes. Good, yeah. Time to yeah. sort out the Jathungai. Um, they'd been busy whilst Rome sorted out who was going to be the new emperor, and they'd looted the region and were heading back home. So Aurelian took his cavalry unit and rushed up north and managed to ambush the Jathungai. The barbarians were surrounded and all but defeated when they sent some emissaries to Aurelian. Okay. Please don't kill us. Well, according to Dexippus, who is one of our few sources, oh. uh, but slightly more reliable than Historia Augusta, the barbarians swaggered into the Roman camp. <laughs> swaggered. Yeah. Brilliant. They uh, got their new bling. Yeah. Stolen jewelry. Look at all this stuff we've got. They they thought they were all it. They were the bees' knees. Yes. Or the knees' bees, as I realised <laughs> I said last episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And whilst, whilst editing, it's like, can I change? No. <laughs> no <I'm right. laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they thought they were tough. They got to Aurelian and then saw that he was on a raised platform with his <laughs> army behind him in a semicircle, flags flying around him with the names of famous generals, eagles, and signias of the legions. He put on a good display. Showing power. Yeah, probably. Although this is not confirmed. Had some smoke machines. And some strobe lights as well. Oh. Just to really make it look cool. That's awesome. Yeah. One of those uh, Van der Raff generators. What's that? That's like the big metal ball that sparks electricity as well. Oh, yes. He totally had one of them. <sighs> yeah. The Jathungai were struck dumb, but then they found their voices eventually and stated that they could call 120,000 men if needed. And if Aurelian let them go, with all the booty, they'd leave peacefully. Aurelian laughed in their faces. <laughs> he pointed out that they'd recently destroyed the Alamanni and the Goths, and they had the Jathungai surrounded. And no one cared who the Jathungai were, because the Vandals were around, and they sound cooler. It's true. Yeah. Do you think he has like a list of, oh, I've just got a list of all the enemies I've defeated, and I will defeat, so I've got the Goths, <laughs> got the Alamanni, oh... You're next. Yeah, I've got a little box here, ready to put a tick in. So, uh, yeah. Apparently, the Chathungai emissaries left, and I quote, greatly dismayed. Aurelian, however, realised that he did not have time to siege the camp. He had to get back to Rome. 
because he'd yeah. just been declared emperor and things were not going well in yeah. Rome. Settle things. So he had them surrounded, it was fine. He said to his generals, You guys sort this out, I'm nipping back to Rome. <laughs> See you in ten. Yeah. However, a few days into his journey back to Rome, Roger caught up with him. Hello, sir. To let him know that a large number of the Jathungi had escaped. If you want something doing, <laughs> he thought, and turned around and was forced to fight them in small skirmishes down to the last man. Mm. But he did. He mm. managed to finally get them. Or, according to another source, he rounded them up and gave them jobs in the army. Mm. Hard, hard to tell. Who knows? So he's mopping up some Jathungi. Yeah. When Roger turns up again... Who's that? To let them know that the Vandals were now in full force invading Pannonia. So yeah, big sigh. It's like, right, I really do need to get to Rome, but fine, I'll sort out the Vandals as well. So he ordered a scorched earth policy. Anything that was edible in Pannonia was collected inside fortifications or burnt. Fair enough. Yeah. It worked against Thrax. Yeah. Yes, it did. This isn't great, obviously, if you live in the region. No. Uh, but it's better than being killed by a Vandal. Possibly. I'd like to think, and we've got to get at least one Vandal joke in, so this can be it. I'd like to think someone accused the Roman soldiers of being Vandals whilst they burnt their crops. And they all just stop, turn around, look to the guy, and then... <sighs> Jeff, start digging again. <laughs> you do realise this is the fifth farm we've burnt today, and you are the seventh person to make that joke. Yeah. Just, we're, we're currently just... burying some dead families here, Yeah. and it's... you're making jokes about it. You're making Vandal jokes. Shame on you. Hard times. Hard times in Pannonia. <laughs> <laughs> this had an impact. The Vandals did not bring food with them. And it soon caused them some problems. By the time Aurelian arrived, the Vandals were getting desperate, and they soon gave up. According to Dexippus, Aurelian asked his troops, his own troops, whether they should loot and kill the barbarians or give them peace. And apparently, the troops asked to offer peace. So mm. Aurelian... Invited 2,000 Vandals into his army. Good idea. Yeah. Strengthen the army again. Strengthen the army. At last, he could return to Rome to sort out the unrest there. Reports were now coming in that the city was turning against him. <laughs> but I'm winning. <laughs> I'm doing right. I'm doing all right. So, off to Rome he goes. However, on the way, Roger yeah. turns up. Hello, sir. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt again, but... I give you a new letter, but just read the old one. Just insert the word Alamanni instead of Vandals. It's, it's all the same. <laughs> In bracket, barbarian. Yeah. This is why they just started calling them barbarians. It just got annoying in the end. They were back. The Alamanni were back, pouring into northern Italy. So, Aurelian sends them a nice, polite note <laughs> saying, Look, I'm ready to fight and I will beat you. It's just going to happen. Look what's happened the last few times. And we're now stronger than we were before. So seriously, guys, just stop. Don't you learn? Don't just just know when you defeated. Just just go home. The Alamanni sent back some emissaries, but the talks did not go well. Yeah. No. Then in the night, when the talks were still ongoing, mm. the Alamanni launched a surprise attack. That's not playing the game. That's not playing the game, or it's playing a very clever game. Yeah. <laughs> the surprised Romans were not prepared, and they suffered a major defeat. Aww. The Alamanni then split so Rome could not counter. Aurelian, realising the situation was dire, tirelessly chased them down in their small groups. He had to keep track of all the groups and also keep an eye on Rome, because this is in northern Italy. If he yeah. loses track on one of these small groups, 
the road is open to Rome. Yeah. They're rushed down, they're sat in the city. Yeah. This is desperate times for Rome. Rome, as you know, are already not too happy because those no. mint riots are going on. <laughs> and now they're hearing news that the barbarians are on their way again. And this new emperor hasn't managed to stop them. Ah. Oh. He's not impressed me so far. Hmm. Aurelian, however, does manage to mop them all up okay. before any of them get south. So that's the third barbarian invasion he's managed to put down. That's not too bad. Yeah, when you say it like that, it's, yeah. it's not too bad. <clears throat> yeah, fair enough. That is, I will admit, the low point in his career. Oh, we'll get better. So let's go to Rome. <laughs> the people are panicking. There is unrest, and it is getting worse. It is only a matter of time before they declare against Aurelian and just a senator's put in charge or something. It's still a very tense feeling when Aurelian finally decides it's mm. safe enough to go to Rome because there were still reports of small barbarian troops running around causing a ruckus, shall we say. As the Historia Augusta puts it, Aurelian, over-violent by nature, and now <laughs> filled with rage, advanced to Rome, eager for the revenge which the bitterness of the revolts had prompted. So he's going back to Rome like a very like a bat out of hell angry yes. sort of he wanted to get back Ugh. to Rome straight away to make sure there wasn't any unrest yeah. these damn barbarians keep turning up and he keeps having to sort them out and all he's hearing is reports that Rome are revolting by word of metal presses yes <sighs> so back he goes I love the fact that described as violent by nature yes not an easy no, no. over violent oh, by nature over violent <laughs> yes. okay so, into Rome we go. Yay! Let's get a little bit of a background on, on these mint riots. <laughs> the mints were being run by the leader of the treasury, who was called Philosismus. Okay. Yeah. Phil. Phil. Um, spout F-E-L, as in Felix, as in look, I'm guessing. But we call him Phil. Yeah. Phil. Felix. We call him Felix. It's likely that Felix was being backed by senators who had an interest in the mints. Yeah. Yeah. What essentially was happening, Felix and his underlings were being given silver to make coins. <laughs> yeah. There's not much silver to go around, so Felix and his chums are keeping the silver and making worthless coins. Ooh. Yeah. That's fraud. That is it's fraud on the highest level. Yeah. They're not even trying to hide it, really. So I also need silver... Where do you that from? <laughs> no, nowhere. However, instead of turning against... The mints, the general public, not really understanding that the mints are doing this, turn against who's in charge. Well, who who's doing? in charge? It's Aurelian. Why aren't you sorting this out? Yeah. It's a bit like now. Does anyone blame the banks for the crisis? No. Not really. You blame the government or the immigrants because you can <laughs> see them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it was like that. That's what was happening in Rome. No one's really blaming the mints. They were blaming Aurelian and they were blaming the barbarians coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Felix was using this to his advantage and stirring up trouble. So he started a movement that led to a full-blown revolt, possibly using the fear of the incoming barbarians to help. By the time Aurelian got to Rome, the city was in full revolt. However, the city could not withstand the might of the army, obviously, <laughs> and the mints were taken relatively easily, although the Historia Augusta does claim 7,000 men died. Probably all Felix's men, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Felix was killed, either during the rioting or by order of Aurelian, but we don't really know how he died. No one seems to... No, oh. one, no one care. I like to think it was like they put him in the mint press. Yes. Ooh. They made Felix coins. 
Yeah, that's what they did. Right, so Aurelian's in Rome, and he's not happy. The Senate are cautious, shall we say. Aurelian was not happy, obviously. No. He managed to put the revolt down, but because he felt that the mints were so corrupt in Rome, he just shut them down and <laughs> oh. ordered that new ones open in Fair Milan. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get rid of money. It's not working. No, new ones in Milan were going to open where he thought he could keep a better eye on them. There were reports of at least three other uprisings at this point. We don't know if all these usurpers are real or some are imagined by the historical Augusta, um, or even by Aurelian himself, but he ruthlessly put them down. He went on a bit of a mini-purge. Anyone he thought was involved in those riots died. Anyone he thought was going to start claiming that they should be emperor, or their friend should be emperor, died. A bit purgy, then. A bit purgy. As one source says, he descended on the rich like a torrent. (laughs) Yes. Nice. The people, however, loved him. Because oh, really? he started giving out piles of cash. So we haven't seen money in years. <laughs> it was great. He also burnt all of the treasury documents, effectively wiping out debt. Fair enough. <laughs> That's going to cheer up the people, isn't it? Yeah. We have 30 billion sesterces to spare. Oh, not anymore. Excellent. Burn the documents. There we go. So, um, yeah. All of a sudden, he has popular support. The Senate, by this point, are starting to get very nervous. Aurelian's killing them and uh, stopping people from paying money that they owe. So, but it, 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 yeah, but it's it's sort of resetting the system, isn't it? It's just like I've done a reboot. He's pulled the plug out and give it wait for 60 seconds and plugged it back in. Yeah, which probably needed to happen. Yeah, it's but overheating. <laughs> it doesn't make the Senate love him. No. no. He also then took another privilege from the Senate, just to rub it in slightly. He took away the Senate's right to regulate the issue of bronze coins. Aww. Yeah, which sounds quite small, but I bet they hated it. It's like the whole you can't be the army thing, even though yeah. they never did. It's like, Yet another you, how thing. dare you! You didn't do it anyway. That's not the point. <laughs> you were too busy corrupting the silver currency. Doesn't matter. I want my bronze coins back. <laughs> yeah. So Aurelian seems to get a handle on Rome. Yeah. The people now love him. The senators don't like him much, but there's nothing they can do. They're fairly powerless at this point. But it is very obvious that the barbarian fight is far from over. The city's vulnerable. It wasn't long ago that the barbarians could have slipped past him and come and sack the city. I thought of an idea. What? A couple of episodes ago, you said there were no walls around Rome. Yeah. So it's a little big ditch. <laughs> you've got yeah. Apart from the silly end, you've got it exactly right. Really? He then orders yes. something that he's most famous for: the Aurelian Walls. Mm. These walls are hastily built and used as much of the infrastructure of Rome as possible. <laughs> so, does that bathhouse line up roughly where we want the wall? Yeah. So let's not build the wall around it, the bathhouse. That bathhouse can be part of the wall. We'll just brick up the doors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there we go. So Save cash. Yeah, save cash, save time, saved effort. So it's a very hodgepodge wall. We will go into more detail on this wall, but not today, because there's too much to do today. <laughs> but technically, yeah. the wall's not finished until after his reign. Okay. So we can get away with talking about it in a later episode. Fair enough. Yeah. Right, so, barbarians sorted, defences sorted. What's next? Food, plague, money. <laughs> money starting to get the, a handle on. Yeah. Well, it's be one of the empires now, isn't it? The, the Gallic one or the, the Eastern one? Yes, which one do you think he goes for? I would go for the food one first, put Zenobia down. Or 
Yeah, yeah, that's why I thought. <laughs> I see, I started nodding, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he decides to go east. The Gallic Empire is not much of a threat at the moment. It's yeah. weaker, and it's also internal struggles are stopping it from focusing outwards. So you could focus on going to the east, do the big one first, then you've got that army, then take the Gallic That's the plan. So, so the, uh, Gall- Gallienus wants to go west to east. He's going to go east to west. Yes, he's doing the opposite of Gallienus. So therefore he's going to do it. Well, see. Maybe <laughs> this is what Gallienus should have done. Right. By this time, Zenobia had decided against all pretense. She was now claiming that her son was the true emperor of all of Rome. Yeah. But even though she's in charge. Yeah. So she <laughs> is now in charge of all of Rome, according okay. to her. It's definitely time to go get the East back. So Aurelian put together all he had and headed north and then east through the Danube. However, God, you just know what's coming, don't you? Guess who it is this time? It's the Goths again. It is the Goths again. Yes. Yes. The Goths have been out of it for a little while, so the Goths are back in huge numbers. Okay. However, a bit like the Alamanni last week, their timing could not have been worse. <laughs> because Rome now had the biggest army it had in a very long time, Ooh. under a very effective general, passing through the region just as the Goths decide to invade. So unlike before, the Goths invade and then run away before the Empire really catches up yeah. to them. This time the Goths run smack into him. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hi. Oh, hi. Hi there. I thought we'd be further back and a bit smaller. Yes. Oh dear. Yeah, the Goths are steamrolled. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Chased out of the Empire, but then Aurelian does something new. The Goths jump over the Rhine, or paddle over it, swim over <laughs> it, however you get across the Rhine. The bridge that um, Trajan built is no longer operational. Yeah. So they can't use that. So they get across the Rhine, and usually the Romans just watch them go and go, ha! Oh, Thank goodness they're gone. Mm. Oh, not Aurelian. Oh, he's going to chase them. Oh, he chases them. <laughs> he keeps going. All those Goths running away go, Oh, quick, get away. Jump over the river. Phew, we're safe. Yeah. Oh, thank God for that. Oh, they're still coming. <laughs> they're still coming. <laughs> what? This yeah. isn't how we play the game. <laughs> no, I'm safe. I'm in the safe zone. <laughs> time out, time out. <laughs> yeah. The Goths were so comprehensively defeated that they actually stopped raiding for decades. So just all, like, decimated. Not in a literal sense, but, you know. Probably worse than decimated, because that's only a tenth. Centimated? Possibly centimated. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's really not good for them. So they are completely destroyed. Roger then pops up. Hello, sir! Always bad news, isn't it? That's true. (laughs) But no. Oh. Because Aurelian just as he went off to chase the Goths, realised that he can't do everything all himself, so he sent his trusted general, Probus, possibly, put a pin in that, we'll come back to that, possibly, Probus, to go and get back Egypt. When you say trusted general? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I don't want to ruin it, but he he doesn't revolt, don't worry. You don't need to keep an eye on him. Do put him in a box, though. Okay. He does come back in the story. A silly name. Yeah. So... Whilst Aurelian was fighting the Goths, Probus had nipped down south yeah. and had taken Egypt back. Oh, we've got Egypt back? Yes. Ooh. So Roger comes along with the news. Good news, sir! Egypt, it's back. <laughs> Excellent. I can eat again. Yes. Have some so, bread, sir. Here's your bed linen. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. So, Goths are defeated. Incidentally, something I just missed out, just noticed in my notes, led by a man named Cannabas. Possibly 
Kniever. Kniever. He's the gothic general yeah. that we saw a few episodes ago. Yeah. Who killed Decius. Yeah. So possibly got revenge. But we don't really know if it was him. No. no but no. let's say it was him. Yeah. Right. that's a better story. Yeah. yeah. So that is the Goths destroyed and Egypt is now theirs. They got food again. They got food again. Aurelian looks around, but he's still not happy. No. Got bloodless in his eyes. He realised something that you did several episodes ago. He's not after me, is he? He's not after you. <laughs> but you said something, and I went, ah, interesting you should say that. Oh, I know, but there's no way you'll remember this. one comment before I No, ago. but it was, no. it was good. You said, in fact, what I'll try and, and do... And I quote... I will try and find the sound clips, so what you'll hear in a moment is Jamie in a past episode... They need to just like leave the Danny region alone. It's like, okay, that area's out of bounds now. No armies down there, no generals. There's something in the water. You kind of need armies then, because that's where the barbarians are. Let them have it. <laughs> Everyone that goes there wants to be emperor, so let them have it. Interesting you say that. Oh. Yeah. You're not too far from something that happens in a couple of episodes' time. That's exactly what Aurelian thinks. Oh, really? Yes, it is. He realises that Dacia is a weak link in the defences. It's the only province on the other side of the Danube. It's a hotbed for usurpations, invasions, yeah. general misery. <laughs> but he realised he could not abandon Dacia, like you suggested. You can't just abandon a region. You're the emperor. Come on. Yeah. You'd lose respect. Yeah. So he came up with a genius plan. Uh, oh. This is amazing. Go on. He does not abandon it. He moves it. Literally? <laughs> He moves Dacia. <laughs> and he! <laughs> he moves Dacia south of the Danube. Upper and lower Moesia are kind of squished along a bit on the yeah. map, and Dacia is plunked in the space. <laughs> <laughs> That's ingenious. Yeah. <laughs> right, it doesn't exist anymore. Dacia's now there. Yeah. So you still got it. <laughs> if there were any mutterings about the abandoning of the region, the undeniable sense of this new defensible frontier could not be argued against. Especially since you could point at a map and go, no, we didn't get rid of Dacia. Yeah, it's on this map, look. Still there. Still got Dacia. Yeah, see? Yeah. And it's going to save loads of money as well, an army and soldiers and everything. Yeah, the yeah. border is now much shorter because it hasn't got the weird bump in it. Yeah. The border is now flat against a large river. Yeah. It's far easier to defend. Plus, Dacia no longer has the silver mines. The silver's run out. Yeah. <laughs> and that was why it was valuable to begin with. There's no point in hand holding on to Dacia anymore. Fair. So they just don't. They just move it. <laughs> yeah, they don't give up on it. They move it. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, in theory, the citizens of Dacia moved into New Dacia. Yeah. However, in real life, that probably didn't happen. People probably stayed in their own homes. Yeah. So it did bother us anyway. There's no actually, difference. That works quite well for the Roman Empire, mm. because there's now a mini buffer state of this ex-Dacian region. That the barbarians could still go invade, but the Roman Empire doesn't need to go and defend it yeah, anymore. Don't care anymore. Yeah. Have whatever you want. Not ours. Not ours. Never was. Dacian's yeah. here, see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Love he that. has now sorted out the Danube region really quite well. He's doing really well, actually. Okay. The Alamanni, the Vandals, the Jathungi, and the Goths are all now licking their wounds. The Danube yeah. region is finally free of barbarians. Or at least as free as it has been in decades. So, time to carry on going east. Ooh. Remember, this was all mopping up on the way to the east. Oh, wow. Haven't <laughs> <laughs> you got there yet? Yeah. Into Asia Minor he goes. The Palmarine armies hurry back to a more defensible position. 
Yeah, also they're they're aware then of. Oh, William's got a reputation. Yeah, he's coming through like a blood-stained hurricane. Yes, <laughs> isn't he? Most of the cities in Asia Minor gladly welcome the incoming army. They're yeah. they're not in Syria. They're not even close to Palmyra. They don't yeah. hugely have an allegiance, so they're happily joining back in with the Roman Empire. So he takes city after city until eventually he gets to the Taurus Mountains. And this is the mountain range that separates the modern-day Turkey area to the modern-day Syrian area. Okay, yeah. Yeah. There was a city defending the pass through the mountains, and this is Tyna. And this city does refuse to surrender, leading to a siege. Aurelian loses his temper at this point. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and he vowed that he would not leave a dog alive within the city when it fell. I believe him as well. Eventually, a local betrayed the city, apparently and the Romans took it. There's a story of the local man leading them, this is just ridiculous, to a big pile of earth that led over the city walls <laughs> that was undefended. <laughs> just... I'm not even writing that down. No. <laughs> Quick, lads, we're not going to give in. Defend the walls. What, what about the big ramp? Do Ignore we need... it. No, no, it's fine, leave that. Well, what about the gate? At the back, should we close them? No, no that's fine. We need to let air in. Yeah, stuffy. Okay. Well, the, the walls, should we at least man the walls? Man? No, let's nope. just. In fact, let's all go outside the walls and play a game of hopscotch. Yeah. That will work. Yeah, it's. <laughs> we don't know how it was betrayed, but clearly not in that way. However, it does lead to the story in the Historia Augusta of Aurelian running up this mound. <laughs> first before the army waving his purple cloak to signal to his army to attack which is quite cool but clearly not true <laughs> I imagine just in such a rage running with a spear and a one hand sword in another yeah. how dare you say no with his pet elephant stamping behind <laughs> of course he would have got his elephant yes, back yeah, yeah. point with me with several snakes sort of twirled <laughs> around the elephant's trunk he yeah. wasn't dead no, no he, he made it fast. yeah okay <laughs> Aurelian seems to have calmed down by the point that they took the city. But, according to one source, true to his word, remember he said he would leave nothing alive, not even a dog. Yeah. So true to his word, he ordered that all the dogs be killed. Oh. But he, he kept kept the people alive. Well, he doesn't want to be seen as a liar. <laughs> exactly. This is some historian's take on it. Some historians reading different books, different opinions. Some say he did keep the dogs alive. And he just didn't kill everyone. Mm. So, who knows? <laughs> just destroyed the RSPCA. <laughs> a van at the side. The fact that he decided to keep everyone alive came as a huge shock to everyone. Everyone was expecting him to be Caracalla levels of Ruthless here. Mm. Yeah. So everyone breathed a huge sigh of relief. And all the cities nearby went, Oh, we can give up and he won't kill us. So all the cities nearby started coming oh. over in droves. So it was a very clever, sudden, seem very ruthless, but then give some clemency. And lots of people come over, and all of a sudden, things are looking good. Do you think he did that on purpose? I'm guessing so. I think it was calculated. Let's just say it was, because it makes him sound really clever. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. He then convinces his troops not to sack the city. Oh, troops don't like that, do they? But he does it. No, they don't. That tells you something about him. <laughs> don't beep him off. <laughs> yes, whatever you do, don't annoy him. 
Yeah. He then, he then rewarded the man who gave up the city. How do you think he rewarded him? He didn't kill him, did he? With death. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The man was a traitor. Oh, yeah. Can't trust a traitor. That's true. So he killed him. <laughs> the Roman troops then enter Syria. The fight was on. The Palmyrenes can no longer run. They've got to fight. Although, to be fair, it's a very even fight. This could go either way. 40 miles from Antioch, the two sides face off. Zenobia's troops, although Zenobia wasn't there in person, Zendas yeah. was there, but yeah. I'll just refer to them as her troops, had one advantage, and this really was something that could win the day for them. They had a very superior cavalry. Lots of horses. All lots, the elephants. <laughs> lots of horses. However, they were heavy, very heavy um, cavalry. They were cataphracts, or the literal translation is ovens. They were riding ovens. This gives you a sense of what it must have been like to be inside all the armour they wore. Oh, I'm with you. They so, like, so covered much... iron armour yeah. and on a horse. Which also had armour on it. That's quite good. These what were defending horse. Yeah, these are very, very heavily armoured troops. The man inside could not even stand on his own, apparently, if dehorsed. <laughs> oh, ooh. Yeah. Poke him off the horses, then. Mm. The Got horses him. themselves were armoured, like I said. This is the closest thing to a tank that you got in ancient times. Wow. Yeah. It's quite hard to poke them off. They're, they're sort of <laughs> strapped in. It's, <laughs> it's one big metal unit yeah. that runs around with a big sharp stick killing people. This could mow through infantry. Oh. Completely destroy lines of infantry. This was better than anything the Romans had. However, Aurelian ordered his much lighter cavalry to attack face-on. Good idea. they got speed on their side. Yeah. They can dodge, they can move around. Sight, maybe they have helmets, they can't see as well, they can only look to a certain yeah. place. All of this is true. The, cav the lighter cavalry would have been killed definitely outright. However, just before they reached the Palmyrans, mm. they swung around and ran away. <laughs> now this is... A trick used for years and years. This is nothing new. You're in football as well. I go, oh, yeah. which way, which way? You pretend to attack, you retreat, you try and get the enemy to come towards you, and when they're chasing you down, you, you spin around and you attack them. This was nothing new, and the Palmyrans were not stupid. They weren't going to fall for that completely. However, <laughs> every single time the Roman cavalry did this, it drew the heavy cavalry out slightly. So the Roman horses charged and retreated, and every time the Palmyran horses yeah. kept chasing them a bit more, and a bit more, and a bit more. And Edging the forward. day goes on, and the sun is beating down on these soldiers that are encased in things called ovens. Ooh. Eventually, they just start wilting. <laughs> I mean, the Roman cavalry are exhausted, but the Palmyran cavalry are close to death due to how exhausted they are. Ooh. Then suddenly, one time, when the Roman cavalry attacked, they didn't suddenly retreat. No. All of a sudden, say the 30th time they did it, <laughs> they suddenly smack them straight on. And there is nothing the Palmyran cavalry can do because they are so weak. With that major force out the way, the infantry can then come in. And the Palmyrans also really invested in archery. And had yeah. lots of archers, which is great at a distance, but they don't fare too well against Not groups opposed. of men with swords no. <laughs> running at them. They're long distance weapons yeah. for long range. So now the groups of men with swords could come in because the heavy cavalry was taken out. 
Don't they have their own infantry, though? They did, but they weren't as good. No. Their archery and their cavalry was where they had their yeah, strength. Yeah. It's the way they fought. So, Aurelian wins. Oh, yes. The Palmyrans were not fully defeated no. and retreat back to Antioch. Right. Get to the gates, claim they won. Palmyrans? Yeah, very reminiscent of Macrinus, if you remember, <laughs> who also went to Antioch claiming they won. Went into the city, they grabbed all their stuff, and went to a Mesa, abandoning Antioch to Aurelian, who arrives later that day and celebrates. So that's the main city in the area retaken. However, of course, it's not over. Soon afterwards, Aurelian gives chase, and he tracks down the Palmyrans outside a Mesa. Now, the Palmyrans at this point were perhaps at the number of about 70,000. That's a lot. Oh yeah, still on big numbers here. Bigger than my army. Oh yeah, the Romans slightly fewer than that. Yeah. So despite winning the first round, they've still got fewer numbers. Mm. However, and we have fewer details on this one, the Romans come out on top again. Mm. Probably because the Palmyrans' heavy cavalry was so overwhelmed in that first battle, their crack units gone. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was good. Zenobia at this point decides to retreat to her stronghold. Palmyra itself. Now remember, Palmyra is in the middle of the desert. It's an oasis city. Oh. Quite hard to siege an oasis city, because the oasis is in the city and you're in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Aurelian does not chase them straight away. First of all, he goes to a mesa and he visits the conical black stone. Do you remember? That Elagabalus had. The meteorite. Yeah. The, well, we theorised it was a yeah, meteorite. Yeah. 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 You remember Elagabalus had it in Rome? Yeah. And um, Alexander sent it back as soon as Elagabalus was dead. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes to go and visit that. Oh. Yeah. Remember, Emesa, this is Elagabalus' hometown. Of so course, yeah. Yeah, we're back in that region. Oh, imagine the decor. Oh. <laughs> Loads of advantages there, aren't there? Yes. Emperor, come and see the black cone stone. It's black, it's stone, but. <laughs> I won't call that cone shaped. <laughs> well, if you squint. <laughs> I, I heard the stories, but... <laughs> I had no idea. I heard this was his favourite. <laughs> so, all Aurelian needs to do now is take Palmyra. Yeah. And he's won the East. That's easy said and done, though. I was going to say, is, I'm, I'm, is this where it ends? <laughs> Aurelian spends quite some time talking to the locals, including the nomads in the area. Insider information. Exactly. He needs to know what's going on with Palmyra. You can't just go and siege an oasis city. Did he like walk into an old bar? Like, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> I hear many things. Yeah. Lots of things, lots of rumours. Cross my hand with gold. They're all American. Yeah, if that's an American accent. It probably was. Yeah, probably was. He finally organises some hasty trade deals and manages to set up a fairly secure supply line that will lead 80-odd oh. miles through the desert to Palmyra. And then the army set off. The city, when approached, was clearly well-stocked and defended. Mm. So Aurelian sent a note to Zenobia, saying that surrender would be best, and he would spare her life and that of her children. However, if she did not surrender, she would feel more the loss that she had already felt. Ooh. However, I love this, apparently Zenobia responded that her loss had not actually been that great, as most of the dead soldiers on her side had actually been Roman. Ooh. <laughs> what a great answer. 
Just, you can imagine when he got there, he went, damn it. <laughs> he got that letter from Roger. <laughs> damn it, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there's no proof that these letters were actually sent, but oh, I they really were. hope they were. They were. <laughs> so the siege was on. One night, while inspecting the troops, Aurelian walked too close to the walls. No. An arrow came out of nowhere. No. And clipped him. It oh. was not a serious wound. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just slowed down for a bit, though. Yeah. Uh, but he was injured. Another day, he was out walking, inspecting the troops, and he got too close to the walls. And a Palmyrene soldier started calling abuse at him. <laughs> Smelly! Hi! Hi! Big nose! Hey! One big nose! <laughs> Your mum. So's your face. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Your face doesn't make sense. Shut up. <laughs> One Roman soldier, who was considered an excellent marksman, bravely went up to the emperor and stated, I could get him. <laughs> nice. The emperor gave a nod. The marksman drew an arrow, released it. It soared through the air and mid, Your mum's a... <laughs> it hit the pound wine soldier and he fell oh. from the walls. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Again, oh, that, that could not have happened. Oh, but it did. It did. All these things happened. Yeah. Otherwise, why would someone have written them down? <laughs> <laughs> right. Eventually, the citizens of Palmyra realised they were not going to win the siege. The, the supply lines were too good. The Romans were not going anywhere. So Zenobia one night slipped out the back of the city. Bye. <laughs> and... Does a runner all Ooh. the way to Persia. She's kind of hoping the Persians will help her. Oh dear. <laughs> How ex Roman? <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't get that far because the Roman troops, although were lax enough to let her through, <laughs> she didn't get through without being spotted. So they were on her like a shot. Apparently Zenobia was boarding a boat on the Euphrates when the Romans yeah. caught up with her and dragged her away. Yeah. The Palmyrenes then give up and feared the worst. But the Emperor showed more clemency. Yeah. He took Zenobia and her son, left a garrison in the city, and left a man, a trusted man, named Marcellinus in charge. Yeah, why not? And with that, he left, safe in the knowledge he had taken the East. Oh, awesome. Yeah. However, the oh. story does not end there. Oh. News comes through that Shahpur, King of Kings, is dead. No! Yes, I told you he was going to be there for a while, and he was, wasn't he? Yeah. But he's now finally dead. Again, I'm not going to go into detail about him today. We'll go into detail about him another time. We'll yeah. just pull back a bit. Aurelian decided to do a bit of cleaning up in the area after this. Yeah. He was neatening up the borders with Persia, like you do. Yeah. When Roger came in and said, Sir, we forgot about the carpi. <laughs> the fish people. Yes. We thought we got them all, but there's so bloody many of them, we <laughs> forgot them. <laughs> there's another tribe coming through. So with a sigh, Aurelian packs up and heads back to the Danube. Aurelian was in such a rush that he risked crossing the Bosporus in stormy weather. And some sources claim oh. that... This is when Zenobia's ship sank, killing her and her son. Aww. However, most sources say that's not true at all. She's probably dead way before that, I guess. The son 
possibly did die there, but it's unlikely that Zenobia did because she pops mm. up again later. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. When he finally reaches the Danube region, he takes one look at the Carpi and destroys them. <laughs> now, he's not. He's not. Just from looking. Yeah, he's not messing about anymore. It's like seriously. He is a badass. The Carpi are completely destroyed, and he can now sit back and go. Finally, Danube is safe. The East is restored. Time to take back the West. However, then Roger turns up. Hello, sir. Palmyra and Alexandria are in the revolt. Aurelian's eye twitched. <laughs> and he gave the order to decamp. <laughs> right, let's cut back to Palmyra. Let's find out why they're revolting. Yeah. As soon as Aurelian had gone, I mean, he hadn't even turned round the corner of the sand dune. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the leading men had decided that they'd given up too easily. After all, despite his fierce reputation, what had Aurelian actually done? All the cities he's met, he's been clement to. All he'd done is killed some dogs. They didn't tell this to him, did they? Well, you they, big wimp! They didn't tell it to him, but they did approach Marcellinus, the guy who was in left charge. in charge. Yeah. And they suggested that he, with his troops, could join the revolt, and then who knows, you know? Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. We're going to need an emperor. He's not that stupid, is he? Marcellinus was very intrigued. Oh. Yeah. He asked for details. <laughs> and then some more details, and... Sound like a great plan. Could he just have the names of all the people who are doing this? Just so he could, like, you know, shake them by the hand and say, what a great plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he let Aurelian know what was going on. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. But carried on supporting the cause. Wink, wink. So there's, there's a story in there that we don't know much about. You can yeah. make a, an episode of your series of Aurelian there. Mm. All about this guy leading his, leading his double life. It would be interesting. The conspirators would have awoken one morning safe in the knowledge that they were about to stage a coup, because they hadn't done anything yet. They were going to stage a coup against an emperor who was over a thousand miles away. So they had time to organise. <laughs> Trouble is, ran all the way. <laughs> However, there was then a knock on the door. <laughs> Someone at the city gates. Yes, it was a very, very angry array. <laughs> who had marched insanely quickly back to Palmyra. Hello. <laughs> I heard something about a coup. <laughs> no, no doves here, uh, sir. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's done with being merciful, is it really? Oh, dear. Yes. All of the wealth was stripped from the city. All the fortifications are razed to the ground, along with many of the buildings. And all the people who had not yet run away were killed. Although, again, some people claim he didn't kill everyone in the city and he let them live. But uh, I don't think that's true, based on what I read. <laughs> He's not a big fan of forgive and forget, is he? Not, not twice. <laughs> no, not twice. No. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. I will kill you, <laughs> your family, and everyone you've ever known. <laughs> Palmyra never recovers. Oh, really? Never. It was never, ever again the city that it once was. However, if you remember, mm. Roger had not just said Palmyra was revolting. Oh, yeah, he said... Uh, um, um, Alexandria. Honduras? Oh, Alexandria. <laughs> no, not Honduras. It does look a bit like Honduras in yeah. this. Um, yes, Alexandria. Egypt was in revolt as well. Yes. A man named Firmus had foolishly decided <laughs> that he was going to have a crack at being the emperor this time. <laughs> 
I'll be the Emperor, and if not, he'll yeah, he'll be okay. Yeah. That'll get back in his good books again. Rallyon's up in the Danube. It will be fine. Oh, oh, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, Aurelian purges the city of anyone he thought might oppose him, and then, as a punishment to everyone in the city, raises the taxes to ridiculous levels. And then, with a very meaningful stare at the whole of the East, yeah. he finally returns <laughs> back to the West. I mean, it's just he's turning around, staring into the, the, the desert. Don't you yeah, dare! This time, stay down. <laughs> Aurelian is declared Restitutor Orientis, the restorer of the East. He's bloody well earned, hasn't he? So, on to the West. The Gallic Empire at this time is in trouble. When we last saw it, its leader was Victorinus. Victor, however, liked the ladies. Did he know? And this was his downfall. He seduced one of his officers' wives. Don't do that. Yes. It's rule one of being an officer. Yeah. Or in charge. Claudius, too, on his training course, would have said this right at the start of the day. Don't sleep with your underlings' wives. Yeah. They get annoyed. Yeah, they don't, they don't like that. They, they really don't like it. So the officer killed him. Oh. So Victorinus died. Yeah, that's a shame. Into the power vacuum stepped Victoria. Victor's mother. Oh. Yeah. She wasn't in charge in the same way that Zenobia wasn't in charge. But she was definitely pulling the strings if she indeed existed. There is some debate. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you remember the historian Augusta was horrified at the idea they had to write about two women. This is the second one. Victoria uses her purse strings to place the next man on the throne, a man named Tetricus. Tetricus. So he's now in charge of an ever dissatisfied empire, containing pretty much just Britannia and Gaul. <laughs> Tetricus was not doing well against the barbarians. Oh. Remember, Posthumus was doing a good job. Mm. No, no longer. And over in Rome, Aurelian was, well, being Aurelian. And uh, this would not have been missed by the citizens of the Gallic Empire. The whole purpose of the Gallic Empire is our local emperor will be able to look after us. Well, actually, our local emperor is now failing, and Rome have a really good emperor. And he's killing a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of barbarians being killed over there. So maybe we need some of that. This is also something Aurelian himself would not have missed. He would have realised that he, this is a good time. So, in 273-274, he mobilised against the Gallic Empire. The two forces met in Gaul. Two huge armies faced each other across the field. There were two, three theories of what happens next. Number one, Tetricus gives up without a fight. In fact, this was the plan all along, because Aurelian had written to him at some point in the past, I'd like to think when he was actually really busy defeating the East, yeah. not off a letter to Tetrica saying, by the way, I'm coming for you next, so should we work something out? Yeah, here's a wood carving of all the people I've killed. Yeah. It's a pretty big carving. Yes. In fact, <laughs> I've just started carving on the wagon that I'm going to send it to yeah. yeah. So, the plan was that Tetricus would give up the armies to Aurelian. The best way to do that is to line them all up as if they were about to fight a battle and then just order them to stand down. Because if you tell them you're going to give up beforehand, you'll have mutinies. Yeah. So, at this point, you just arrange yourself in a poor position on a battlefield <laughs> and there's nothing they can do about it. Mm. <laughs> right, soldiers, we're going to war. Don't bring your swords. No. Oh, it's sandals and your 
plastic spades will do. Yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. It's fine. It's fine. Bring that. Apparently, Tetricus wrote to Aurelian, quoting Virgil, saying, Rescue me undefeated from these troubles. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> sort it out. That sounds good to me. I really didn't want to be emperor anyway. Yeah. So that's option number one. Mm -hmm. Option number two, the battle did take place and Aurelian won. Hmm. However, we do know that Tetricus was given a cushy job afterwards. <laughs> so that kind of supports option one rather than it option does, two. Yeah. Or perhaps option three, Tetricus gives up the army, gets the cushy job, and then Aurelian fights the other army anyway to teach them a lesson. Like to beat them into submission. Yeah. This doesn't sound likely either. These are good soldiers. Why yeah. would you waste them? And he needs all the as big yes. armies he can get he to look after that region. I think group one, uh, yeah. option one. I, I think option one as well, and most historians do. But whichever way it happened, the Gallic Empire was no more. As easy as that. So he's now got the West back, with barely yes. with a letter. Aurelian had taken the West and restored the entire empire. That's he was crazy. now given the name Restituta Orbis, or Restorer of the World. Aurelian then goes back to Rome and had a triumph. He bloody deserves it, didn't he? <laughs> he put on that t-shirt with pride. Zenobia, see, she came back, and Tetricus were both paraded around. Tetricus was then given his cushy job, I don't know, admin or something. Mm. And uh, Zenobia was given a villa to go and live in for the rest of her life in comfort. Really? Yeah. Aurelian then turned his sights on the remaining problems, namely the infrastructure of Rome. He spent a while fiddling with the economy, trying to get all those coins to start working again. Because <laughs> they just weren't. <laughs> yeah. He had some success in Rome himself, but it, it was harder in the provinces. He revalued the coins, he withdrew some from circulation, he changed the prices of certain goods, and he altered the grain dole. He generally started to try and make the economy work again. Okay. Yeah. And he also turned his mind to religion. Wouldn't it be nice, he thought, if we all had one god to believe in? Because that way it'd just be nice and neat. Oh, that's interesting. It's like yeah. pre-Christian. Because I know it's at some point from Christian Empire, don't Yes, I? this very much is laying the path to the conversion to Christianity here. Oh, okay. He introduced the concept of the sun god being the highest in the pantheon. Exactly what Elagabalus did. Hmm. However, he didn't say this is the only god. He didn't say you can't worship all the gods. He didn't even say you must worship this god. All he said was... He's now top man in the god world. We don't know how successful Aurelian would have been with this because he was not around long enough for the plan to be put into full effect. So, for instance, mm. the inevitable clash against the Jews and the Christians yeah. didn't happen because it wasn't long afterwards that Aurelian dies. But oh. he starts playing around with the religion. Well, I, I guess you could say, to the, well, that, that could be your god. Just we've given it our name. Oh, you see, you're on it. Jesus Christ is identified as the Sun God. Oh. Yes. Awesome. Now, how much this is taken up by the Christians, how much this was people who <laughs> yeah. believed in Jesus, because many people did, as a God into himself that weren't necessarily Christian at the time. Yeah. He was just one of the many, many gods around at the time. But he was very much identified with as the Sun God. So when they finally did become Christian, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't like... Jesus was a new god they believed in. Nice. It's the same god they believed in before. This new name. Yeah, it's it <laughs> was carving. it definitely wasn't pagan then Christian. It's no. a slow transition. We're starting to see Most it. Are, yeah. yeah. So, 
It starts playing around with religion for a bit. However, there is one more thing on the list to do. Persians still need to pay for what they did to Valerian. Valerian is still a hat stand. We can't have that. <laughs> we want him back. <laughs> we, we need somewhere to put our hats. <laughs> Shapur was dead, but the Persians weren't. But they were weak. <laughs> And Rome is now the strongest it has been in decades. Oh. oh, it's time to go and sort those Persians out. On the way to the east, with a huge army, one of the court officials named Eros, according to Zosimus here, another source, Eros made a mistake. We don't know what it is. Maybe he... A clerical error or something. Or... Oh, like, a, like something he did got wrong. He got something wrong to annoy the emperor. Astra Quill, or whatever he wrote with. Was it wax tablets in Rome? Yeah. Pass my stick to write, yeah. passing the wrong stick. He's my walking stick by mistake. Oh, you need to clarify. How am I supposed to write with this? Yeah. Whatever it was, Aurelian was not happy. Eros, fearing for his life, decided to be proactive rather than reactive. Oh. He drew up a hit list naming all of the high up generals that he thought might be unhappy with Aurelian. And then he spent a merry afternoon popping around all the offices, going, I've got a secret hit list. You're going to be killed tonight. Oh. And then just let that settle. Sure enough, several generals got together, discussed this letter and rumour that was going around, descended on Aurelian's tent and stabbed him to death. Great plan, though. Yeah, it was a good plan. <laughs> so there we go. That's Aurelian. Wow. Yeah, yeah, first, uh, yeah, better or worse than Quintilus? Oh, I'm on the fence. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, right. Let's rank him. Fightius Maximus. Well, he did a lot. <laughs> he didn't do badly, did he? Let's start with the fact that apparently he killed a thousand men in a week, <laughs> <laughs> which clearly isn't true, but does show that he was a well-respected personal fighter, not just a commander. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that rumour would have spread is yes. evidence of that. Yeah, yeah, so he was obviously personally fighting. He rose through the ranks of the army from a common soldier to the emperor. That was pretty successful. To do that, you've got to be good at being fighty. Yeah. yeah. And then the obvious ones. He defeated the Alamanni, the Vandals, the Jathungi, the Carpi. He chased the Goths into their own land and destroyed them. I was going to put he beat all the barbarians. All of the barbarians. <laughs> We've never seen anyone do as well against barbarians before. He then mm. took back the east, including Egypt, and then swung round and took back the west. During all this, he also put down a number of revolts. Yeah. I haven't really had time to go into. And, and Rome. He sought out Rome as well. Oh, yes. He fought the Minters. He fought the Minters. <laughs> he did. Bad. And you picked up exactly where it was. It was that point where you went, oh, I can't say I'm too impressed so far. He was ambushed at the start of his reign by the Chathunga, I remember. But you could also argue, <laughs> he got his revenge. Oh, he did. Because he did then go around and kill everyone who did it. <laughs> so he ultimately won that one. And that's all I've got for bad, so... Oh, I want to give him ten. Uh, you can't. How can you not? Not give him ten, can you? <laughs> yeah. The only person we've given ten to before was Trajan. And I would argue this is better than Trajan. Well, he's gained more land... You know, I've never thought it that way. Than other, that any way. other emperor. He's gained it back again. Yeah. The emperor's gone. The empire's gone from Italy and... Greece, the Danube, Africa. Yeah, a small back to its former... Yeah. He's gained more land than any other emperor. See, technically, 
That's usually given to Augustus. But what, how because was the Empire before? I don't think reconquering counts, but I think it should count. I, it does, because it wasn't his, now it's back again. Yeah. I don't know if technically it still counts. No, Augustus did do, get a lot. Yeah, he but, really did. Yeah, but he got Britain as well, and Gaul, and yeah, no, Germanic that's a regions, good point. and all of the East again. He's, yeah. he's, it he's, must be more, surely. Of course yeah. it is. It's, it's got to be 10, hasn't it? I want to give him an extra point for that. You can't. I want to. You can't. You're I know, not allowed. I want to. But we will give him 20 for Vitius Maximus. Oh, definitely. Already he's beating about a third of him. Approvium Crasium. He was stern. You could argue <laughs> got, got a few quotes here. This is the Historia Augusta quoting Valerian. So this apparently is a letter that Valerian wrote. Of a truth, you will continue to hold this opinion when once you have learnt how stern Aurelian is. For he is too stern, much too stern. He is harsh, and his actions are not suited to those of our time. Moreover, I call to all to witness that I have even feared that he will act too sternly towards my son. This letter shows how great was his sternness. <laughs> it does, yes. He was stern. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting an impression. Yeah. He would have got on with um, Galba. Oh, yeah. Oh, my strict. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Strict and stern. Yeah, you'll like this one. <laughs> because, again, you've predicted this. He um, punished men who committed adultery in his ranks. So people who went around sleeping with all the soldiers' wives. Uh, yeah. He punished. By, and I quote, Bending down the tops of two trees, he fastened them to a soldier's feet and then let them fly upwards so suddenly that the man hung there, torn in two. Heaved in twain. Heaved in twain. Uh, yes, um, when that documentary, Killer Machines, that's, what, that's yes. what they showed. And you mentioned, I don't know if I kept it in the edit, but you definitely mentioned this form of torture before. Yeah, so and when get, I came across this, it's like, oh, it's that, it's that yeah, thing you get, with the you trees. Get two young kind of sapling trees, are obviously quite tall and bendy, flexible. You tie them down to the ground, so they're kind of crisscrossed. Yeah. Then you tie... The, each leg to each tree, then he let them fly apart. Oh. Uh, but they found in the test that it didn't actually split them in two, it just basically ripped a leg off or ripped both legs off. <laughs> what Which a is, shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's probably what, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, I didn't quite finish that quote because it then goes on to say that this was a penalty that inspired great terror in all. <laughs> As you can imagine. <laughs> As they were cleaved in twain. This is one note passed from one commander who worked under Aurelian to his underling. If you wish to be tribune, or rather, if you wish to remain alive, restrain the hands of your soldiers. Ooh. It's like, seriously, do not mess about under Aurelian, or he will no. kill you. Yes, he will, yes. Another quote here. The men ceased to love and began to fear this excellent prince. Some asserting that such an emperor should be hated rather than desired. We don't have many details, but you do get the feeling that there's a lot of stories that we've lost that cause yeah. people to be afraid of them. Because it keeps talking about his reputation, but all mm. we saw was him giving clemency. But everyone's really scared of him. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit like the Caracalla thing, where he kind of built that myth yes. of himself at the time. Yeah. Of how terrifying he is by doing... There's almost like exclamation points of terror. Yeah. But actually, he was quite a logical guy. Yes. Eutropus said, Effective in war, unrestrained in temper, excessively cruel, ferocious, bloodthirsty, and always harsh. Victor describes him as severe and incorruptible, 
and Vospicus said he was not accustomed to threaten in vain, nor, if he did threaten, to pardon. Hmm. So he was a man of his word. Yeah. Which leads us to the city of dogs. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not forget, he possibly killed a city of dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he did kill a lot of people when he raised Palmyra and Alexandria. I think the saddest thing about those is that they were all being trained as seeing eye dogs. <laughs> that's the worst thing. That is terrible. That I is. So that's his um, bad insane. His good sane, well, he's not actually insane. He's just very harsh and very stern. <laughs> Brutal. He's, you don't want to cross him, do you? Was it overly violent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> overly violent by nature. So, I mean, it's for a problem crazy, it's the best we've seen for a while. Mm. Um, but it's it's not, like, up there. No, I'll the give him... Ones. I want to give him four for the overly violentness. But I, don't, I, I can't... Because he's not crazy. Just a program. Yeah, um, I might go to five. You know, five. I'll because he did rip people in twain using trees. <laughs> he also, oh, not let's not forget, he was also possibly part of a coup to kill an emperor, which yeah. we usually get points for. He did purge the Senate, so I'll give another point for that. Lots of deaths there. And he also killed lots of people in Alexandria. They're, none of them are huge things, but mm. um, I think that racks up to about mid-level, I think. Okay. I'm going to stick a four. So that's nine that's for four. a program. Crazy. Okay. Success Ultimus. The Empire was falling apart. Now it's not. Yeah, it seems actually stable. He took back the East. He took back the West. He beat back the barbarians. He started to correct the economy, and he put in place civil reforms. He built a wall around Rome itself to protect it. And he also started to arrange the religion to try and unify the Empire a bit more. He's... he's... Knocking down the barriers apart from the big wall. Yeah. Uh, he was also a farmer's son who rose to be the emperor. Not just the emperor, the emperor who restored the world. This is the stuff of legends. I'm... There's no way I can give him less than ten. There was some bad. He lost a province. I don't care about a province. <laughs> but then, yeah. this was a weak province yeah. that was actually... A burden to the empire. No, he didn't lose it. He moved it, Rob. And he didn't actually lose <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. It's just moved. It's there. Yeah. Look, it's right there. So that doesn't count. That's not a negative at all. You just know someone came in to criticise him one day. You lost Dacia. He just stared, looked over at Roger and said, Roger, send this letter to Dacia, would you? You know where it is, don't you? Yes, sir. You say, I lost Dacia. <laughs> it's still there. Yeah. I, I can't give him less than ten. It's got to be ten. I mean, come on. It's... He's built the economy back up. He's reunited Not the people. Not perfectly, I hasten to add. But no. at least he started but now, the though, road it's, of recovery. It's, yeah, it's rather than where it was. He's got rid of the corruption in the mints. Yeah. So they're now working properly. He's built the wall around Rome, which is going to help it in the future. He's investing in Rome's future. Yeah. He's brought back the empire. <laughs> yes. Rather than a... A, a country. <laughs> he is everything that Gallienus could have been. Yeah. I really enjoy Gallienus. I think he is a vastly underrated emperor. This is Gallienus' story when everything goes right instead yes. of everything going wrong. What Gallienus needed was the rage, the internal rage, <laughs> yes. isn't it? He was just too nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going for 10 as well. So that is 20 for Successus Ultimus. He's scoring well. <laughs> he is scoring well. Image of Have a quote. He was a comely man, good to look upon because of his manly grace. 
Rather tall in stature and very strong in his muscles, he was a little too fond of wine and food, but he indulged his passions rarely. He exercised the greatest severity and a discipline that had no equal, being extremely ready to draw his sword. There you are, you're drawing someone looking very stern there. Now, I will hasten to say, we really don't have much in the way of busts. Yeah. We have one that we think might be him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we're not 100% certain. Um, and we have some coins, which is okay. a shame because I'd like something a bit more certain for Aurelian. Yeah. So you, oh, you've gone for someone who almost looks like death himself. He was. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah. if you if if you were sitting in you know Palmyra at the time, he is death himself coming to get you. <laughs> oh, you just imagine those those usurpers. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's the day. We're gonna usurp, are you ready? We're gonna do it. Knock, knock, knock. Well, who would that be? Let's <laughs> open the floor and find out. Oh dear, God Almighty. <laughs> save me, save me. You're meant to be in the Danube. See, what, what you see, I'm imagining seeing the door, sort of, as the door's at your left, so the door opens, the person over you can't really see them, but you see them kind of open the door, standing back from the door, then you see them dragged out with a scream. <laughs> <laughs> And then his body flung over the walls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, headless corpse chucked away. Who is um, it? It's me. Yeah. I'm back. Okay, here we go. Here is the bust and the coin. Oh, it looks really sad. <laughs> yeah, the, the bust, because it's eroded, because it's a, a metal bust, mm. it's quite hard to get the features. The coin, however, is a remarkably mm. good coin. It is. So you, you can really see the details, so I think I might judge on the coin rather yeah, than the bust too. in this one. Nice beard, nice kept, kept sort of 80s beard. Yes, it's Comely. a nice short, almost George Michael kind of oh. short beard, isn't yes. it? <laughs> in fact, you know, the more I say that, the more I'm seeing George Michael on the Brilliant. He would like that. He would have liked that. I'd like to think. Um, yeah, he's he's strong jaw. Hmm. It's, a, it's a flattering coin, isn't it? It is. Compared to the bust. But the bust is hard to judge because it's so decayed. Mm, it I'm looks sure kind his, of a bit sad, a bit I'm, scared. Yeah, I'm sure his face wasn't actually sort of melting in that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, he doesn't look like I would expect. From the description, he doesn't... I don't think he fits the description very well. No, that coin is obviously from him being a bit younger. He definitely yeah. doesn't look like he's in his 50s there. But he doesn't look like a bad emperor. He just looks average. I'd yeah. Say. He looks pretty generic. Fairly mid, mid marks. I might go for five. Out of ten. Out of ten. I'll give him five as well. Yeah, he's sort of middling, isn't he? Yeah. It's a shame. You'd hope for more, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. 2.5 for Imagofacious. Hmm. Last round. Temple completed. So how long do you think that all that took him? He did a lot. Like, see, in my head, it's either super condensed to a ridiculous level, or it was a good ten years. There's so much happening. So I'm going to go for halfway. I'm going to go for seven. Five years. Five years, wow. All that in five years. I could have done all that in five years. If you're listening, think, what were you doing five years ago? In that amount of time... Aurelian has restored the world. He's built, he's literally built an empire. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive stuff. Five years, unfortunately, is not. If we put five years into our scoring system, it gives him a mere score of 0 0.63, which is a shame. However, oh, it's exciting. Go on, what's his total? His total score 
he is all on his own yeah. in the 50s. Oh my goodness. We have a new leader. <gasps> he is 52.13. Wow. This is the first time ever we have had a leader apart from Augustus. Because Augustus, in our very first episode, scored 48.25. Wow. Aurelian is now officially our top scoring emperor. He was a fighter that got him, wasn't it? Because Augustus, yes, Augustus he lost points on that. Yeah, I mean, he was fairly impressive. Yeah. He scored 12. He would have scored higher if it was less a gripper. Yeah. But even if it was all him, he still yeah. wouldn't have scored as high as no. Aurelian for fighting. Oh, 52.13, that's amazing. Yeah, highest scoring. But just because he's got a really good score does not necessarily mean that he has yeah. Shenley season. Just because he restored the Empire, yeah. beat everyone. Yes. He might not have it. Let's find yeah. out. Yeah, let's find out. Go and get the poppers. <laughs> Do they have a certain genesis? No, I don't think so. No? no? No. Well, he did lose that province, didn't he? Oh, he did. That was awful. And he got ambushed that time. That's true. So for that reason, it's going to be a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obvious. That's... Yeah, let me get yeah. the poppers. <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think he's definitely at the genesis. I would say more so than anyone but Augustus. Um, because Augustus was building it from scratch, he was restoring it, which is a much more awkward position. You could yeah, argue. Yeah, you could argue that. Looking at our list here, Aurelian now is our top. Augustus is second. Trajan is third. They're pretty good emperors. Then Domitian in fourth. I love how high Domitian is. Because he was, he got <laughs> the thing about being crazy and nuts, but actually it's pretty successful. Yeah, he, he was. Right. So yeah, I think you're right. I'm looking at those other high scorers, and they didn't deserve Jeanne Caesar as much as Aurelian does. So not only is he Jeanne Caesar, I think he's the most deserving of any of yeah. them, apart from possibly Augustus. So possibly. Well done to Aurelian. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> oh. Well, there we go. That's Aurelian. I've been looking forward to doing Aurelian for ages. I knew he was going to do amazing. well. I didn't realise how he, he'd do quite that well. But yeah, he's, he's restored. Because I've got a bad feeling it's going to be a bit downhill now again. Well, notice how I've not said, and now the crisis is over. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking that. We're not far off the end now. All right. We've got... Six more emperors to go. Okay. But we've not got long in time to go. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. A bit of a quick turnaround then for next week. Yes. So, um, okay. Well, we'll leave it there this week. Mm. Well done to Aurelian. Right. Until next week then. Thank you very much to you, our listeners. Keep leaving those messages, either on Facebook or Twitter. But also, please write a review on iTunes, because this week, just the one, so this person is a winner. Yeah, you're going to get a coin. Because I apologise if you've sent one in the last two days, because I've not looked. <laughs> but there was only one when I looked that was new two days ago. And it is a review by M3.14159265353. Ah, rolls off the tongue. It does. Successus Ultimus, five stars. Good. I've been working my way through the back catalogue of Totalis Rankium and waiting for the right episode before writing a review. And after an episode that can only be described as Rincewind versus Cohen the Barbarian, the time is now. I can only assume that that is the Julianus episode. Totalis Rankium is a light-hearted series of mini-biographies of the Roman emperors that manages to entertain and illuminate in equal measure. 
They're very good about keeping the listener informed about the likely historical veracity of their stories, hmm. but are not afraid to humorously fill in the gaps a little to help the narrative along. <laughs> It'll serve you well as a casual introduction to Roman history or as a good entertainment for the well-versed. The often comical characterizations of the emperors really frames them as people first without diminishing their iconic roles in history. Oh, that's quite nice. And then as a little footnote, mm. after he said the words Rincewind, yeah. he said, read Discworld seriously. Even if you've already read them, go back and read them again. <laughs> yeah, they are good. Yeah. yeah. And then he also puts, I'm also certain I heard the clink of an ice cube in a whiskey glass during that episode, but that might just be wishful thinking on my part. Now, this was written before we announced we were doing our Whiskey Totalis Rankium. Before we even knew we were. Yeah, before we even did. So, although we'd never drank whiskey during a recording, as far as I'm aware of... I don't think so, no. ...Roman Emperors, we certainly do in our other podcasts. So, um, yeah, go and listen to that. So, thank you. You're going to get yourself a coin. Might be a while till you get here, but when you do, send us in your address and we'll send you something through the post... Yeah. It might be nice. Don't spend it in a shop, though. <laughs> no. Another comment here, um, but this person's already getting a coin, because we know who it is. Um, some comment on Podbean. It's uh, Don Scott R. Very good podcast and fascinating. The hosts are great and very funny, easy to listen to. I've studied Roman history quite a bit, but with this, I never cease to learn new things. Great mix of humour and knowledge. The knowledge of another great episode coming gets me through the week. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Scott. Okay. Um, he's got a great group on Facebook, so go on to the Roman Byzantine History Group. It's full of very clever people. Yes. But know a lot about Rome, so go on to it. It's very good. Okay. Right, and as this has been a long episode, we should probably say goodbye now. Yes. With our regular sign-off, there's somebody at the door. Who could it be? Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>